Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brooks Childress and Brant Dontry with me here on this really yucky Thursday. A lot of rain around. A lot of tough weather, uh, so try and stay dry tonight because there will be a lot of weather this evening. But uh, we are nice and cozy here in our Tiger Communication Studios on South College Street. And uh, we've got a, a good bit to discuss today, a shortened show. We will only be on the air two hours today. Again, Beauregard High School basketball coming up for the final time in the regular season at around 5 o'clock. Tim Sin and the guys will have that one uh, during our two-hour show today, we will have your phone calls, as always, on the Auburn Bank phone line, birthdays and sports, nightly TV guide, as always. And we will recap Auburn thumping the Georgia Bulldogs last night inside of Neville Arena and college basketball as a whole and start to tor- turn our attention towards uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, who uh, very out of character for them last night, losing at Florida uh, may or may not be a good thing for this weekend for Auburn. We'll discuss that uh, in a little bit as well. And so uh, going to be a good show again. Also, Sports Calls Player of the Week. A little late on revealing that again this week. Uh, but Sports Calls Player of the Week coming up a little bit later as well. Again, Ryan Brooks and Brant with you here today. We'll start with you, Brooks. And I uh, haven't had a whole lot of you on the show uh, this week. So it's uh, good to see you again, sir. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Glad it's uh, glad it's Thursday, winding down the week. Um, yeah, big game last night for the Auburn Tigers, a, a game that was, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily a must-win, but it felt like it. It felt like a, a must-win game for the Tigers, and they came out and they they thought it was a must-win as well as they came out and dominated the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Alan Flanagan had a pretty big night for the Tigers last night. I think he led the Tigers in scoring with 22 points. Wendell Green also had a big night last night with 18. Janai Broom had a double-double last night with 19 and 18. Uh, just some big performances all around. Katie Johnson had 13 big performances last night. Uh, and that's it's good to get a, a big win. Uh, good to get a big win at home against your rival. And it's a good, uh, good to get a big win going into uh, this weekend when you're going on the road to a very tough environment. You're going in, on the road to um, what is currently the number two team in the country the Tennessee Volunteers probably won't be number two uh, on Monday after at least after the Florida loss last night but you know you, you're going to need momentum going to that one because one it's it's Tennessee you're always going to play Tennessee hard two it's a Tennessee team that's now mad that they lost the game and they don't want to lose two in a row so you, you you've got to go up there and play that team uh, get ready for that team but yeah big win last night we'll break down all the action and get to all the phone calls coming up and Brant Dotry joins the show Again, Brent, hope you're doing well again. Doing great, man. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to be a part of the show today. Yeah, that was that was Auburn beating Georgia like they stole something. That was that was a really impressive win, uh, given the context of how the first game played out. Uh, I was on the show with Tom yesterday, 
and uh, in the third hour, and we discussed like what we expected the final of that game to be. I said that I did not expect Auburn to cover. I expected Auburn to win that game, but I didn't expect them to cover the 11.5-point spread. And that, folks, is why I don't gamble, because I'd be really bad at it. Tom thought that they would cover, but only just by a little bit. So the fact that Auburn came out there and really just took Georgia to the woodshed uh, was really impressive. I think you got a great game from, really, I think what is turning into your big three, from Alan Flanagan, Wendell Green, and Janai Broom. Those three, I mean, Janai Broom didn't play the last 10 minutes of the game and still finished with, what, uh, 18 and 19, something like that, something ridiculous uh, on his scoring line. It was very close to a 20 and 20 and would have gotten it if he played his normal level of minutes, but uh, got injured uh, a little bit, and the game was already in hand, so there was no reason for him to go back in. But uh, a great game. Uh, all around for Auburn. I, I think the three-point defense was a little lax, especially in the second half, but uh, Georgia could have hit 10 more, and it wouldn't – well, not 10 more, but Georgia could have hit a couple more, and it still wouldn't have mattered. Um, it, it just really an impressive all-around victory, and, and hopefully we see more of that from Auburn going forward. Yeah, it was a game last night that Auburn really jumped on from the get-go. They, they had a pretty handy lead going into the halftime break, and – extended it with no problem in the second half was very a kind of a weird start from the standpoint of uh, all five Auburn starters had attempted a three in the first two minutes of the game and they had all missed that was a little bit inauspicious uh, at the time but they would settle down they ultimately shot nine of 25 from three which is 36 percent as a perfectly reasonable percentage even after the 0 for 5 start uh, and as you guys mentioned, I think the takeaway here as we break this down a little bit was uh, individual offensive success. And uh, obviously as a team, scoring 94 points is, is, is something to be proud of. That's three consecutive good halves of basketball on the offensive side. Of course, they had 40-something, I think 48 in that second half against West Virginia, albeit in a close loss. And then they go out and have two 40-plus point halves against Georgia. So this is a little offensive momentum. Uh, you, you guys talked about the individual performances, but Janai Broom, yeah, the 19 points, 18 rebounds in just 21 minutes, as Brant alluded to, not playing as much as his typical workload. Was a little banged up in the first half, came back, was fine, then just no need to play him down the stretch there. Uh, loved what you saw out of Wendell Green Jr. Very efficient, 18.6 assists with 6 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 5 from 3. Alan Flanagan, 22 points, 8 of 10 from the floor. You cannot ask for anything more than that. Even hit 3 out of 5 from 3, which has been uh, a very hot and cold thing for him. And I know we've talked a lot about Jalen Williams this year, too. Well, it's still affecting other parts of the game. He had just four points, but four assists and five rebounds. Uh, so he was uh, tied for second on the team in rebounds in the game. And then we did see our second consecutive meaningful KD Johnson game where he had 13 points on four of seven. You'd figure he'd be pretty aggressive uh, against his former team. Now, he did play 26 minutes, so he, he got a few more minutes than he has in the past, still shot just seven times, but there were moments where he would definitely try and isolate and dribble drive and, 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 and that sort of thing. So three consecutive really good offensive halves for Auburn. And, of course, in Georgia, they only scored in the mid-60s in that game, in that loss. And so they proved it to be, in the case of Georgia, Nothing really Georgia was able to do. It was a, a matter of venue 
in this matchup this year. But again, guys, 94 points coming into a, a situation where on Saturday they're going to play a Tennessee team that does not—I mean—does not give up many points at all. Even in the loss of Florida, which we'll discuss in a little bit, they, it was a very low-scoring game. They did not lose because they did not play well defensively. So uh, what does this mean for you? Now three consecutive really good halves of offense for these Tigers. I think it means you're starting to get on a roll. I mean, or I'm hoping that's what it means. You're starting to figure some stuff out. You've had some, some issues, I guess, uh, with guard play. But when you've gone up against teams that are really good defensively, like Tennessee, you just kind of haven't had answers. Um, what we've seen over these last three halves, I guess these last, this last hour of basketball that we watched Auburn play, they seem to have figured out some things, like how to how to move around off the ball a little bit better, who to go to uh, in certain moments, where their spot is, uh, who's the guy that you give it to when you've got to drive to the basket and, ma- and just make it when the clock is winding down. It looks like Auburn is starting to figure that out just a little bit more. Now, it, going against Tennessee, going to be put to the test because, like we've discussed over and over on this show, Tennessee is, if not the best defense in the nation, probably second best I don't know statistically I think they are the second best but they are a darn good defense and Auburn's had trouble with that this year so you had a great second half against West Virginia you blew out an overmatched Georgia team but now you're going to Tennessee to place one of the best defenses in the sport you're going to have to bring your A game and you know it is a good thing that Auburn won this game because if they had lost it, it was very possible that you were about to start a four-game losing skid, and that's not what anybody wants. Yeah, I I, I take away from the, the three halves of good basketball is, yeah, you are getting on a good roll. You're, you're getting yourself in a good position going into this. Uh, it's a really tough stretch uh, for the Tigers. you got Tennessee this weekend, Saturday. You're going on the road to Texas A&M on Tuesday, so a quick turnaround for the Tigers there. And then you get Alabama in your house next Saturday. One week from this Saturday, you you, you host Alabama, the first meeting with, with them this year. Uh, that's another top five team. You know they keep you know doing what they're doing right now. They they may be back up to that number two ranking that they were last week. Um, I, I think it's it's good to get these these uh, consecutive halves put together for of uh, good basketball. But we've seen it happen so far this year. We've seen a couple times they've put together several uh, consecutive good performances, and then they have a clunker. Um, you you've just got to be able to continue to have that momentum going forward. You don't need to you know you don't need to have any clunker games, especially coming up here. Like I said, with the stretch coming up, you've got to be able to uh, continue this run of good play. I know you've got to, you know, like Brant, you were saying, you've got a really good uh, going, but it's a really good defense on Saturday. You've got to be able to uh, fight your way through it because we've seen Auburn play some good defenses uh, this year, and they've had some trouble with some of them. And you you've just got to be able to, you know, get in there, get watch the film. I know it's a you know semi quick turnaround from Wednesday to to Saturday to play. But it is, you know, you've got to be able to be on your A game. You got to be able to continue to put these halves together that are are really positive. Especially with uh, if you can keep getting these productive uh, games out of KD Johnson, that's really going to open up things on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, someone to, uh, to bench score for Auburn because these four guys early in the year. There were absolutely a lot of games where Alan Flanagan would come off the bench, but once he started to play better, he got reinserted back into the starting lineup. And so now that you have him, Williams, Green, and Broom in the starting lineup, you know those are some of your best bullets there. You need one bullet off the bench, 
And KD Johnson, if he's able to score double figures down the stretch, would be very important and significant. Yeah, as far as Tennessee's statistics, they are third in the country in allowing points per game at 55.1 points per game allowed. But they are the best field goal defense in the country. They allow their opponents to shoot just 34.8% do the Vols. And so uh, that is going to be a whole different animal uh, of defense. But what I will say is while I can't guarantee you that these last three halves of Auburn offense will translate into something uh, quality and, and consistent against Tennessee – what I could say is, I mean, it's very, <laughs> it's very good timing to play your best offensively, at least heading into the game. Whether it ends up translating or not, we'll see. But they're playing their best offense of the year at a time where they will need to play their best offense against Tennessee. Because even though this is not going to be a very high-scoring game, I wouldn't say, against against Tennessee – you're still going to have to execute good offense just to get a little bit. So I, I'm saying a bad offense goes and plays Tennessee, you're going to score 50 points. You know, you're not going to score at all. You score 45 points, and they're only averaging 54, 55 a game being against them. So yeah, you I mean you're not going to score at all, but you can't win scoring 45 points. But you can win as Florida showed us last night. You can win if you can get 65 or 68. 68 points is not some awesome offensive game, but it is when you play Tennessee. And so it's not that Auburn is going to come out and score 90 points like they did against Georgia, but them being able to do this now in two separate games gives you the hope that they're going to be able to keep their wits about them, that they're going to keep working for good shots against Tennessee. They're not going to settle for what Tennessee wants them to settle for. And that was, I guess, the one negative about the start of the game last night is seeing everyone try a three in the first two minutes was was about, yeah, that's not what you are good at doing, and you want to get into the flow of the game before every single player on the team, including Janai Broom, tries a three. That's about settling. That's about not being willing to take what the defense wants you to take. Because a good defense like Tennessee is going to say, all right, Auburn, try and make a bunch of threes over us. And it's Auburn's job to not settle for that. It's Auburn's job to work it down low. Jalen Williams, again, I know Jalen Williams did not have the scoring game, but there's several games now this year where Jalen Williams has had four, five, six assists. And he had four assists last night. What that tells me is that's a guy you can get the ball to on the elbow and create another shot uh, that's not Wendell Green Jr. oriented. Because even though Jalen Williams is not handling a, a whole lot up top like a secondary guard, he's getting in these post positions and these these elbow positions, and he's able to find a shot for somebody from there. And that's secondary offense. And that's the kind of thing that's going to be very important when you play someone as adept on defense as Tennessee is, is Again, Tennessee is going to be good enough to take away what you want to do. So once you go to your second option, how good is your second option? And if Jalen Williams is able to create shots for others like that, that's becoming a better and better second option, and that's what Auburn's been able to do the last three or four weeks. So this was important, as you guys said. It it kind of felt like a must-win just from the standpoint of it only gets tougher from here. The schedule 
will be picking up the Tennessee game coming up, the Alabama game coming up at Kentucky. Uh, you've got a whole lot of stuff. Even host Missouri will not be a walk in the park. So a lot of tough games ahead. A big one for Auburn to get last night, and they dominated from start to finish. A 94-73 to victory over the Georgia Bulldogs. When we come back, we're going to go to the Auburn Bank phone line and birthdays and sports all ahead on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call on this Thursday. Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, Brian Daughtry with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Breaking down Auburn basketball after their win against Georgia last night. A 21-point victory. Georgia did hit a lot of threes overall for the game, especially in the second half. They were 14 of 34 from three. That's 41%. And they lost by 21. So there was a scenario where Auburn won that game by 40 if uh, Georgia did not uh, hit those threes, especially in the second half. Georgia only had nine twos in the game. Uh, <laughs> that, is, uh, that is pretty rare. They were, they shot 34 of their 52 field goal attempts were from three. So And they, they obviously hit them late. But uh, th- that kind of still a stunning number. With it there, as opposed to Auburn, who shot more threes than they do at times this year. They shot 25 threes, but they still had 39 two attempts. So Auburn just uh, kind of dominating the game in that regard. All right, uh, we do this each and every day. It's now time for the birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. And as always, birthdays and sports are presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Harrison Smith turns 34 today. Safety for the Minnesota Vikings. Smith was born in Tennessee and was Gatorade Player of the Year as a senior in 2006. He signed with Notre Dame and as a four-star safety, played four seasons for the Fighting Irish. He was taken 29th overall by the Vikings in the 2012 draft and started for the team ever since. Six-time Pro Bowler and two-time All-Pro, Harrison Smith turns 34 today. Sean Elliott turns 55. Former NBA forward Elliott was born in Arizona, attended the University of Arizona to play basketball at Arizona. He was two-time All-American. One-time Pac-10 Player of the Year, two-time Pac-10 Tournament MVP, still Arizona's all-time leading scorer. After four years at Arizona, he was drafted third overall by the Spurs in 1989. 
Played 12 seasons in the NBA, most of them for the Spurs. He is a two-time All-Star and an NBA champion. His number 32 is retired both by the University of Arizona and the San Antonio Spurs. Sean Elliott turns 55 today. Jeffrey Okuda turns 24, cornerback for the Detroit Lions. Okuda was a five-star defensive back out of Texas and played college football at Ohio State. Played college football at Ohio State. Go Bucks. He started three seasons at Ohio State and was named a unanimous All-American as junior in 2019. He declared for the draft in 2020 and was taken third overall by the Detroit Lions. Jeffrey Okuda turns 24 today. And Kwan Short turns 34. Former Carolina Panthers defensive lineman Short was a three-star recruit out of Indiana and played college f- football for Purdue. Let's go Boilermakers. He played four seasons for the Boilermakers and two-time All-Big Ten selection. In 2013, he was taken in the early second round by the Panthers and spent the entirety of his eight-year career in Carolina. Was a two-time Pro Bowler. And an all-pro, Kwan Short turns 34 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. Again, Harrison Smith turns 34, Sean Elliott 55, Jeff Akuta 24, and Kwan Short turns 34 today. Good list right there. Again, birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. With that, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. First up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, guys. How's everybody doing over there? Doing well. Trying to stay dry. Well, good. Well, in the uh, words of our former uh, coach, former former coach uh, uh, Malzahn, uh, we uh, beat the dog crap out of them last night. Auburn sure did, from start to finish. Now, uh, should we go with the uh, good or the bad first? Uh, would the bad be the 14 three-pointers? Uh, that's putting it mildly. Uh, they went uh, out of their minds in the last, what, four or five minutes of the game? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, and that concerned me, you know, because I'm sure uh, Tennessee is going to be reviewing uh, that uh, bit of the, uh, of the game. Um, what uh, continues to bother me, guys, is um, I hope it's not becoming better. I guess it is. We, our defense held Georgia to 24 points the first half. Right. But what in the world could happen in the last game? Uh, everybody seems to be, or most of the teams seem to be, doubling their uh, first half scoring on us in the second half. Georgia scored 49 points. Uh, I mean, is that a lack of focus? People just got uh, overconfident like a days ago? What? Yeah, I think when you get a big lead sometimes, uh, you lose a little bit of edge defensively. Um, I'm, I'm personally not that worried about what what happened in the second half. Uh, I think that can can definitely happen a lot of the time when you get big leads and the game is out of hand with 10, 15 minutes left. I think the important part is that they did play a really good first half of defense and that they continued Auburn offensively. Uh, to score and Georgia really was never in the game so Georgia just hoisted a lot of threes and and they made some in the the second half but I mean uh, it's a 21 point game so I mean in the end it it really does not matter and uh, I'm not worried about it okay well I was concerned because they made uh, 41 percent of their uh, three-pointers that was concerning to me Uh, another uh, concern was 62 percent of the free throw line 
Uh, we can't do that against Tennessee or anybody else uh, coming up. Now, having said that, I was uh, really kind of taken aback that uh, Jaden Williams uh, didn't show up, at least offensively, because uh, I thought he'd be pumped up since he's a former Georgian, uh, well, he is a Georgian native. I thought he'd be uh, scoring a lot more than he did last night. Uh, your thoughts on that, guys, or was I just over-focusing uh, on him? Well, I mean, I, I don't think because Jalen Williams did not have a big uh, scoring night that he didn't have an impact. I mean, he still had four assists, five rebounds. We talked about this just a few moments ago. And, and when everyone around him is having big games, I mean, the there was not a need for him to be overly aggressive. So, uh, you know, he had, you know, he's had plenty of big games this year uh, and, and is certainly still one a part of one of those three or four guys that's very important to the team. But look, when Alan Flanagan's going for eight of ten, and Janiah Broom is eight of eleven, and Wendell Green Jr. six of eleven, they're all shooting really well. So someone, there's still only one ball, and there's still only certain guys that are going to be able to to get shots. So when everyone around him is hitting, you know, you keep going to those guys. So I still thought he did a good job of of uh, distributing a little bit, and he was tied for second in the team in rebounds in the game. So I still think he did other things well, just was not in the scoring department. Okay, fair enough. Uh, now, about the three-point shots. You know, at some point, uh, and again, I've never been a coach in my life. However, if I'd have been there, I would have been yelling, uh, at least a Coach Pearl, somebody said, tell them to stop it. Because uh, was there anybody left on the bench that hadn't tried a three-pointer at the beginning of the game? Yeah, no, er, everyone got one up early, and now they for the game they ended up with a fair percentage. They ended yeah, up nine twenty five. But, but at first it was it was a I mean it was a a horror. Right. Yeah. I mean they 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 definitely came out of the gate shooting too many threes. Jeez. Okay. Uh, let me ask you about this, guys. Uh, maybe I'm being really picky here, and maybe I am. But with about what maybe two three minutes of the game, the game was already uh, decided. Uh, in fact, which should have been about 30 points. I was wondering, well, how come he doesn't put in, you know, like some of the people who haven't played very much of uh, seniors, you know, uh, where was Stretch? I, mean, I thought they might put him in there. No Traor. Uh, guys, do you think I made too much of that? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I definitely think they could have done that. Uh, I, I definitely um, saw the opportunity when you're up 25, nearly 30 points, and you got two or three minutes left. The game's not going to... Uh, the change the outcome or, or even get close to it so yeah I, I i think it could have happened in the in the scheme of things i don't think it's a big deal uh but but certainly like if if i had had a say or if, if you would ask me my preference yeah i would have liked to see those guys for the last couple minutes i don't think there would have been any harm in that but uh, again you know i i think that it's still very much trying to read well between the lines and and, and not too big of a deal in the scheme of things yeah, and I only mention because usually uh, we'll see, uh, you know, Coach Pearl, you know, at the last maybe minute, minute and a half, uh, go ahead, you know, if you've big lead and put in uh, the, uh, the the walk-ons, you know, or the other the seniors. And I'm just wondering about that. Now, on the really, really good side, guys, well, I hope we can do this and repeat uh, this uh, performance uh, against Tennessee Saturday. We only had five turnovers. Right. That was remarkable. Yeah, and that was uh, that was a very good sign. Very good sign. Uh, how do you explain that? Because, I mean, we didn't do that in the game Saturday against West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, they were just offensively focused. They Again, they had multiple guys uh, distributing the ball. Uh, they made smart passes. 
You know, they didn't get in as many late clock situations. Sometimes when you're in a late clock situation, that will sh- that will cause uh, a poor decision or a, a shot that goes for an air ball and is a turnover on a, on a shot clock violation. And, and just uh, they, they got into their stuff a little bit earlier at times, and they were just, I mean, they were just good in all areas offensively. They come over to Tennessee, guys. You know, was, Tennessee was somehow, I watched the last three minutes of the game, uh, and Tennessee was held to 54 points. And I don't think Florida is an outstanding top five-ranked uh, defensive uh, team, are they? Uh, it, traditionally, Florida is more of a defensive team. But, no, I mean, they're not going to be that high up there in the country. I mean, I, I can I can look this up. But uh, certainly ten, Tennessee's the team with the elite defense. Yeah, I'm just wondering how they uh, managed to do that. But uh, uh, like you uh, asked earlier, and I'm wondering too, is it a bad or a good thing for us uh, that Tennessee, you know, lost this game? Are they going to be uh, really just Maz wet hen, and or if they had won, they'd be too cocky? Uh, for reference, Florida is uh, 53rd in scoring defense. Auburn is 56. So Florida and Auburn very similar in their defensive statistics, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that would that question would be up for debate. I, I think that you could say, well, you know, because we, we just spent the last segment talking about it was good that Auburn was trending in the right direction offensively. That they're going to have to they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to run really good offense against Tennessee. But the other side of that is okay. Well, does that mean Tennessee is now slumping because they played one poor game? Well, I mean, I think this season shows that Tennessee is truly a really good team. So it, it's unlikely that they play two bad games in a row. And so uh, I, I, cert- I I lean towards it's probably not a good thing that they did not play well. And also from a college kid perspective, I and mean, we've talked about this in, in all college sports before, uh, they probably undervalued Florida a little bit. They might have overlooked them and looked ahead to Auburn. Auburn's one of only three ranked teams right now in the SEC, and there's always going to be that Bruce Pearl dynamic. So it's very possible that they got caught overlooking Florida a little bit. Okay, well that's not a that's not a good narrative that I wanted to hear. But uh, thanks for being that, that candid. All right, moving on real quickly, guys. Um, I see that we got uh, according to this article from Spun an All American punter. Uh, yeah, yes, I believe a preferred walk on. Yes. Yeah, preferred walk on, and apparently he was also, um, according to this uh, uh, this column, he's ranked uh, by a camp called Coles Professional Camps. Gave him a five star punter rating and four star kicker rating. So he can do a little bit of both. Obviously, Auburn's already gotten a, a kicker or two in here in the last couple of years, but uh, yeah, I mean they seem to be recruiting that position well. I mean, they're recruiting a lot of things well right now, obviously. But it's always fascinating to me how <laughs> some of these services do rank some uh, kickers, some of these bigger services. But there's always like specialty services that rank the kickers and the specialists and, and long snappers and all that. So uh, it's always funny to hear the, the, the sites that that take a pride in doing that. Yeah, well, his name is Russo, and then I saw this. Well, this is a wild, uh, I mean, a swing. Uh, 247 Sports, their rankings have as a two-star, as a punter. Yeah, a lot of those big national sites, they don't rank kickers and punters highly. Even the top kicker or punter is usually like a three-star. So that, that, that just because 
I, I think it goes into their their thought that even a great kicker is not going to have the influence of what a great defensive end would, or a great wide receiver, or a great running back, et cetera, et cetera. So most of those big sites they they don't rank kickers and punters like they do uh, other other positions. Yeah, that continues always been a head scratch to me because I've seen so many college and NFL games you'll be determined by a field goal kicker. Well, sure. I mean that that does happen, but also you got to think about. There's some games that are hardly used. There's some games that their kicks really don't have significance, whereas every other position is always going to be involved. I mean, from start to finish, you know, you're always going to have to find guys to catch and tackle the football. So uh, I, I think it just comes into, yeah, there might be a couple games a year where there's a, either a game-winning field goal attempt or you missed a couple field goals and, and learned to, and live, end up regretting it. But but. By large, they're not going to be as important game-to-game game as the other positions. Okay, fair enough. Moving on, back to Super Bowl, guys. I just saw this uh, from a Candace McDuffie who wrote the column. But uh, an Autumn Lockwood, her name is Autumn Lockwood, will become the first black woman to coach in the Super Bowl. All right. I didn't know if you guys had already seen that or not. I had not. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's written by Candace McDuffie, and uh, apparently uh, she uh, uh, was pictured here on uh, Instagram, and the NFL has posted that she will become the first black woman to coach in uh, any Super Bowl uh, before. She also, coincidentally, happens to be, now I thought this was interesting, uh, the uh, agent. I'm sorry, uh, in addition to that, uh, Nicole Lynn is the agent to Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Who that makes her the first uh, first black woman to represent an NFL quarterback in the Super Bowl. Didn't know that. A lot of firsts there, yeah. A lot of firsts there. All right, moving on real quickly, guys. I don't have enough time for this one, but I thought I'd just mention it. Maybe I'll uh, spend more time on it tomorrow. This comes from DraftKings, a uh, column that just popped up. And uh, the uh, person that's writing about this is called Zach Thompson. It's entitled, you love to – may want to see this one or read it. It says, Howie Better turned $10 into over $18,000 with an NFL SGP bet on DraftKings Sportsbook. Have you, have you come across that column or article? Uh, I have not. Okay. Well, I'll break it down tomorrow. This guy did something that, I mean, lightning will strike you first before this happens. He did a nine-item parlay. Now, that's all I'll tell you. And the item that he did were so, uh, some of them were so likely, unlikely to happen uh, that you, you ask yourself, how did he pick these items? But they happened, and they happened in the Eagles game on the playoffs. Anyway, yep. so uh, he won $18,000 uh, with that. With that said, guys, uh, there is another, uh, I guess, a little fun fact. Uh, I'll go into detail tomorrow, but uh, Arian Foster apparently – uh, maybe he's suffering from CTE, but has uh, come to believe that all the NFL games are pre-scripted as to who gets injured or what plays will work or what the referees will flag. Steve, let me let me go ahead and interrupt you there. I've seen that clip. He's joking around. He's not being serious. Oh, he's not being serious? No. Okay. Uh, where did you get the notion that he wasn't being serious? I said, well, this guy's really uh, off the, the deep end here. I... Because the NFL is not scripted, Steve, and Arian, that, and Arian Foster knows that. Okay, so you're convinced that this was just a, uh, a prank? Yes. 
Okay, good, good to know. Because people were saying, "Well, gee, uh, I didn't know that ACL was supposed to be, you know, already scripted for me." Uh, some of the uh, football players. All right. With that said, guys, tonight I'm going to a really, uh, uh, I think, an entertaining event. I'm going to be uh, going to the local bookstore here in Fairhope called Page and Pallet to meet uh, the author of the book I mentioned yesterday, uh, the uh, uh, Teammates for Life, about the 72 Amazing Team. Right. Three of the former football players from that team will be there along with the author, Jeff Miller. So I'm uh, looking forward to uh, awesome. seeing them and uh, getting his autograph. With that said, guys, um, Mr. Ryan and Brooks, y'all have a safe trip up there, and uh, don't come back unless you bring us back a, a win. Okay. I have no no promises at all. If you don't not hear a me, single okay. promise. We will try, but not a S- promise. Steve, if you don't hear me on the Monday show, you know what happened. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Well, have a safe trip, and thank you for your time as always, guys. Have a safe afternoon, and uh, until next time, War Eagle. War Eagle, that is retired Ward AMC joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate Steve. For calling into the program. We need to take our final break of hour number one. Again, a shortened edition of Sports Call, two hour show. So coming back to wrap up hour number one right after this. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back. Final segment of hour number one. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Appreciate Retired Ward MC for joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Like I said, just a few minutes left in the hour. And again, this just being a two-hour program today with Borgard High School basketball coming up around 5 o'clock on our airwaves, the final regular season game of the year. We hope to try and get out there and to Smith Station for an area game or two, but we'll still... I kind of have to work on the schedule there. All right, so a couple news items from college basketball to tell you about, both in-state. We will start with Auburn, though. Uh, As John Rothstein reporting a couple hours ago, that Auburn is the eighth and final team in the 2024 Maui Invitational, according to multiple sources. rest of the field includes North Carolina, UConn, Michigan State, Memphis, Iowa State, Colorado, and Dayton. Uh, another strong field, the Maui Invitational, in my estimation, is the premier uh, kind of early season term. There's a couple other really good ones like Atlantis and that sort of thing, but Phil and I Invitational is becoming a, a bigger deal. But uh, this one uh, has always been 
uh, around has been around for a long time, a couple decades now. Auburn has played there before. They last played there. I believe that was the year that they played Duke. Uh, in in that Maui Invitational, the Zion Williamson Duke team that, yeah, that was, was the, I believe, that was the Final Four year. I was, I was about to say I believe that was the year that Auburn ended up going further than Duke did in the NCAA tournament. That is not necessarily uh, slanted at the former host of this show, although it could be. <laughs> and uh, Auburn did make their first Final Four in program history that year. So fond memories of a, of a year associated with the Maui Field. And uh, again, this is the 2024. Maui Invitational, so I would not, would not be this coming season because that would take place, I believe, in November of 23. So it's going to be uh, 19, 20 months from now right. is going to be the, the 2024 Invitational that we're talking about. But again, when you're in a field that North Carolina, UConn, Michigan State, Memphis, I mean, these are some big names in the sport of basketball and uh, exciting that Auburn's going to be a part of that in here in a couple of years again. Absolutely. Uh, what you're hoping to do there is bring in a bunch of talent. Like you said, it's not going to be this upcoming season. It's not going to be next year. It's going to be the year after. But uh, what a field that is. You know, j- just a bunch of really talented blue blood programs, you know, and Auburn is right up there with them. And to be mentioned in the same sentence as Dukes and North Carolinas and Yukons and schools like that. It shows how far Auburn basketball's come, but what you want to do with that is you want to bring in a bunch of talent and you want to put them on the national stage as early as possible. Uh, and that's what Auburn figures to do uh, as they move forward with this. And I can't wait, honestly. I mean, these these big preseason tournaments, um, like we pointed out, the last time Auburn was in Maui, they made the Final Four. So, uh a really big deal, and I, I'm excited for this to happen. Yeah, and uh, again, with this field, um, when the weakest team is either Colorado or Dayton, we know Dayton goes to the tournament a good bit, uh, and uh, Colorado has had some good years, some bad years, but uh, not an obvious weak link in that field. Um, and, and so that will be really exciting again to see Auburn back there. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, another good recruiting tool when you're always playing the best, the best. And, of course, at this time, some background, too, is this will be the time that the SEC and ACC Challenge will be going on. So a team like North Carolina Auburn could end up seeing anyway uh, in the ACC-SEC Challenge here in the coming years. You know, those programs, it's always tough to tell because right now, you know, you look at Carolina and you look at Michigan State. They're not awesome this year. They're both going to be eight, nine seeds somewhere in there in the NCAA tournaments looking like. Maybe Michigan State doesn't even make it. Um, but then you have, you know, it just depends on the year. You have UConn having a really good year right now after they had a few lulls. Kevin Ollie took over, and, and that was rough for a while. And then Memphis is starting to come back, and Auburn familiar with Memphis this year, obviously. So it uh, looks like a good field. Again, that is the 2024 Maui Invitational. Also want to note, though, uh, Bruce Pearl was asked about that because that news broke just before his press conference today, and he did not confirm that they were in it, but just said simply that they were, quote, working on it. So, And Rothstein noted that there's no official annou- announcement this time. So uh, I, you know, don't take that quite for as gospel, but uh, it does seem to indicate there uh, John Rothstein is really good at what he does. So Auburn looks to be headed to the Maui in 24. And then one other basketball news for you, and again in the state of Alabama, but involving the University of Alabama, also from John Rothstein. Busy day for him. Others reporting this though as well. This one is is uh, is absolutely official. 
Alabama's Nate Oates is set to receive a multi-year contract extension through the 2028-29 season, according to multiple sources. The deal is expected to be worth in excess of $4 million annually. Of course, uh, we've seen this Alabama team be excellent this year, uh, having as good of a season as they've had in a long time. And there's going to be, anytime you have a good but not elite program, that's having above normal success, you're going to hear whispers about a bigger job. We know Texas will be open because of the dismissal of Chris Beard. There's whispers about Calipari and Kentucky, what could happen there. There's a couple other situations that always do uh, end up opening up last minute or at the end of the year. And so Nate Oates is a guy that his name is, is going to probably be in those conversations. This extension does not mean that he would not take one of those, but certainly will will aid Alabama if they do have to fend anyone off for him. So, again, a lengthy extension for Nate Oates, and, and uh, Alabama has uh, got him on the books now through 2029. Yeah, you figured something like this was coming, whether it came from Alabama or from one of those other schools that uh, had an opening and was going to gun for him. And like you said, $4 million a year uh, is not an unpayable price, but certainly it helps Alabama fend anybody off. And, Look, Nate Oates is a darn good coach. He's a really good recruiter, and he's got Alabama as, if not the best team in the country, then one of the best. So uh, certainly a, a a good move for Al- on Alabama's behalf. Um, I think that uh, as they move forward, they might look back and be glad that they did this because you, you need to lock a good coach down. The same way Auburn did with Bruce Pearl, they're doing it now with Nate Oates. And while it's not exactly the same price tag, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see uh, what happens with Nate Oates in the future, but... You, again, you just felt like this kind of thing was coming at some point. Yeah, and it, it really had to because, again, you know, Alabama uh, is a good program. Same boat there uh, as Auburn where you're a big conference school. You've had varying degrees of success. Obviously, Alabama had a little bit more in its past than Auburn uh, up until this Bruce Pearl tenure. But, uh, you know, there's still another tier job above it, you know, and, and you're still an extra resource, and it's always going to be the backdrop, no matter how good Alabama and Auburn get. And Auburn's a little different because they might end up keeping it, keeping it in the family down the road if Stephen Pearl stays on staff. I mean, several years away from that, but but it might be a little different because of that. But at Alabama and Auburn, football's always going to be number one, and there's going to be a few guys that will not settle for that now. I have no idea if that's going to ever matter to Nate Oates. Again, to a lot, it doesn't. But nevertheless, even if you do pour a lot of resources into it, a school like Kentucky, obviously, who literally had their two head coaches fighting this offseason <laughs> because they were fighting over what kind of school it was. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, you know, there are schools that are basketball first. And so. As a basketball coach, if you ever feel like you're not getting the attention that you deserve or you want to take it to the ultimate level, uh, the state of Alabama is still not going to be the place where you get to that highest of highs. Even with great short-term success, uh, it's still going to be second to football in most of the South and certainly in the state of Alabama, despite what Auburn has done the last six or seven years and what Alabama is doing right now. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back, we'll reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week and only one more hour of the show today. So stay tuned. More Sports Call after this.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call today is also the final hour of Sports Call today, along with Brent Daughtry and Brooks Childress. My name is Ryan LeBoy, and I'm the host of this show. Again, Borgard High School basketball coming up at the around the top of the hour, and so uh, that's why we're getting off air early again today. But one more hour with you here, so let's not waste any time. Let's go right to the Auburn Bank phone line to start hour number two. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins the program. James, how are you doing? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. <clears throat> yes. Uh, I was uh, actually looking at Auburn and Georgia uh, yesterday, and uh, I was seeing some really great uh, things coming out of Janiah Broom uh, playing against his former team. Well, Janai Broom uh, did not go to Georgia. It was Katie Johnson that went to Georgia originally. But Janai Broom is a transfer. He came from Moorhead State. Uh, I believe Moorhead State's out of the state of Kentucky. But, uh, yeah, uh, he still nevertheless, it was a great game for Broom. Uh, and then Katie Johnson, the former Georgia Bulldog, did have 13 off the bench. So a lot of great contributors for Auburn last night. Yes, as well. And then um, with uh, Katie Johnson, I actually see – I looked at some uh, – things that he's, you know, improving with uh, his former team, uh, playing against his former team, and he's playing at Auburn. Um, you know, in the first half, he, he actually shot a three-point shot that I'd never seen anybody do something like that as well. Uh, that's not quite coming to mind for me. I know he did take a couple three-point attempts, and I, I believe he did hit one in the second half. But, uh, yeah, Auburn shot a lot of threes early in that game. They missed them early, started to make them more as the game went along. And obviously, the, that's been the uh, the story around this team has been a not a very good three-point shooting team this year. So hopefully they can have more nights last, like last night. Yes, and then I'm looking towards this week because I think we're playing Tennessee, if I'm correct. Uh, that is correct. We play uh, Auburn plays Tennessee on Saturday. Okay, so I um, I don't know who Tennessee plays this week before they meet up with Auburn. I don't know who they have on their schedule before. Uh, so Tennessee played last night like Auburn did, and they actually lost to Florida at Florida. Uh, it was a big mm-hmm. upset victory for the Gators. So Tennessee's next game is now the Auburn game on Saturday. Yes. Now, for uh, Tennessee and Florida, I actually saw that game as well, and I saw some mistakes coming from Tennessee. And I think, you know, coming into Neville Arena this weekend, I don't see Tennessee walking out of that arena with the win. 
it's going to be the Janiah Broom show or the Katie Johnson show or the Bruce Pearl show, you know, just to name those guys on on that winning uh, team and having a winning coach as well because Bruce Pearl, before he was a head coach at Auburn, he was a head coach at Tennessee, um, you know, a few years ago. And, and I think Bruce Pearl, he's really doing a really good job for these guys here in Auburn as well. He, he absolutely has done a wonderful job for Auburn now for several years. Been a long time since he was at Tennessee, but still everyone still remembers uh, that time period for him, and he did an excellent job at Tennessee as well. And, and I do want to remind you, James, that this game is actually in Knoxville, Tennessee on Saturday. Auburn will host Tennessee later in the year. The, the, I think the last game of the year is Auburn hosting Tennessee, but this one will be at Tennessee. Yeah, so I think yeah, this one would be in Tennessee. So I think this will be a really, you know, a really memorable moment for Bruce Pearl and uh, some of the guys that you know will play again uh, next week on Senior Day. And uh, some of the seniors they're going to be going out with, you know, their final curtain call. And I, if I was there, you know, in Neville Arena, I would, you know, love to, you know, shake their shake their these guys' hands, the seniors of Auburn that, that played on that team for, for a long time and, you know, give them some encouraging words, you know, as, you know, from a former high school senior to uh college uh, seniors that are, you know, trying to make it, you know, in their next journey in life as well. So I just, you know, I would like to do that maybe one day, you know, once I get back to Auburn as well. And if they have any, uh, special events like Senior Day for gymnastics, Senior Day for the women's basketball team, or Senior Day for the uh, football team as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's always great to uh, recognize those seniors and uh, thank them for their time at <clears throat> Auburn. Some of those guys uh, been Auburn for a long time, some just for a short period of time after a transfer, but nevertheless helping the Auburn program in, in many ways. And uh, senior day is always a very special day, and again, that will come against Tennessee this year, just later in the year. So that will be a very emotional game. Yes, as well. And then tonight, I'm going to be watching the NFL Skills Challenge. It's going to be really fun. I might see some uh, former Auburn uh, players from playing in the NFL and uh, seeing who's going to win this uh, this these games that are going to be played in Las Vegas, Nevada. If I was there, I would like to play on the skills uh, challenge games as well. I would love to play with uh, NFL football stars as well. You know, James, they, they've um, obviously moved the Pro Bowl games here to Las Vegas, and uh, they mm-hmm. used to have them in some other places. Where where would you like to see the Pro Bowl games uh, typically played? What's your favorite location for them? I would have to say um, – for next year, uh, Super Bowl, I would like to have the Pro Bowl being played in Atlanta, Georgia. All right, in Atlanta, close to home. Yes, as well, and uh, getting to see you know some of the some of the games that you know that football players can get into. I would like to see you know they can have like a skills challenge for the football players and then they can have a skills challenge like for the NFL fans, you know, just to compare the two, uh, the two, uh, people that are, you know, the professional players and then the fans of the NFL and, uh, see, 
how how the players' reactions to their fans as well. You know, that would actually be kind of funny, James, to see the, the pros compete in some of these skill challenges and then have fans go out there and try and do them and, and see how bad it might go for some of them. That would actually be pretty funny. Yeah, it will because I I I need to, like, see that as well because it's, you know, with, with us as NFL fans, the NFL would not be possible with our our support, with, with our support not supporting these players and supporting the events that they do for so many, many years, like, you know, the NFL honors, the gold jacket, uh, the gold jacket, um, semifinal, um, award ceremony, uh, you know, the, the, the events list goes on and on as well, because without us, we, we wouldn't have the NFL without our support as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what else is on your mind today, James? Well, I'm actually right now I'm uh, covering uh, Caribbean baseball right now, and right now I think in the ninth, in the bottom of the ninth inning, Puerto Rico is losing right now, uh, six to one. I mean six to three, actually six to three. So we're losing right now. So we'll we'll be having another game uh, sometime in March as well. So. Um, I don't know who will be playing uh, around that time as well. Yeah, some of those Caribbean countries starting to play some uh, some games together as teams getting set for the World Baseball Classic coming up in about a month or so. Are you excited about the World Baseball Classic? Yes, I am very, very excited about the World Baseball Classic, and I've been watching it for years since I was a little kid. Um, seeing a lot of um, Puerto Rican players from uh, – the beautiful, uh, the beautiful place that I love, Puerto Rico. I mean, it, it's amazing to to actually get to see some of these guys actually, you know, putting their names out there as well. So you're a big Puerto Rico fan, but are you still going to be rooting for the United States of America if they play Puerto Rico? Um, yes, I would. I always do because when um, when Puerto Rico plays against the United States, I always split my heart right down the middle, and it is something to see as well. I got you. I got you. Well, what else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually this Sunday. I'm actually getting ready to see Clash of uh, Champions in NASCAR and seeing uh, what. You know what? What will be the final preparations for uh, this weekend's uh, race as well? And uh, checking on the NASCAR list, on the NASCAR uh, schedule, and uh, seeing you know what what changes that uh, the NASCAR uh, schedule has made, and um, seeing what's gonna what? How would the NASCAR uh, how would NASCAR uh, sports look in the near future? Like where would NASCAR be? In like 2028, 2029, 2030, where where will it like evolve into you know in the near future? Yeah, that will be very interesting, James. I know that they are talking about a, a new kind of like a collective bargaining agreement of sorts right now, where uh, they're trying to decide how much money to give to the teams versus keep for for NASCAR and send to the tracks and and that sort of thing. They're trying to work through that because that's due up here in a couple of years. But and they're also going to be a new TV deal in NASCAR in two years. So that that is very uh, important times for the sport. It's seen some growth 
since the pandemic, it had taken a hit prior to when some of the legends of the sport like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jeff Gordon retired. Uh, but but the last couple of years, it started to uh, gain a little bit more popularity, and they've tried some new things. And as I'm sure you're aware, they're going to be on a street course in Chicago this year. And as you've mentioned, yeah. the uh, L.A. Coliseum here for the Clash. So they've tried some new things, and it's actually brought some new fans to the sport. So it is exciting times in NASCAR. Yes, I saw. And then with me being a NASCAR fan, uh, I like how they do like the history of NASCAR like they do – the Daytona 500 or the Coca-Cola 300 or, um, you know, the Brickyard and, and seeing some of these, uh, you know, NASCAR Hall of Famers that, that raced in those uh, tracks. Like they did one, which was back in February, on February the 14th of 2001, when uh, Darren Earnhardt Jr. and his son, um, you know, father and son were actually racing side by side in the Daytona 500, and his son took the checker flag and won. And right in the middle, I think it was like in turn one, or I think it was like in turn two, he his dad actually crashed in the Daytona 500. And you know, I was actually rooting for Dale Earnhardt Sr. because he's one of the best racers. In NASCAR, and that's why they gave, that's why he gave himself the nickname the Interminator because he was the Interminator of that sport, and there would never be another uh, Darren Earnhardt Jr. I mean, senior to actually never win. An, I mean, win another Daytona 500 race, but you know, with the new guys are driving the number three car, I I think when I see that number, it you know, it throws a, a picture in my mind of Darren Earnhardt Sr. and Dale Earnhardt Jr. racing side by side. Yeah, so a, a couple things to clear up there. Yeah, and, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. ended up winning the next Daytona race there in 2001. Michael Waltrip uh, won that Daytona 500. He raced for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, which was Dale Earnhardt's team, but uh, Earnhardt Jr. won that next one. But, yeah, uh, obviously that's probably the most famous incident in motorsports was Dale Earnhardt uh, passing away in turn three of the 2001 Daytona 500. Uh, very tragic moments uh, in NASCAR, and the Intimidator uh, was uh, was was definitely an all time nickname and appropriate for what Dale Earnhardt how he used to race. So, sport trying to definitely move on from that, and uh, hopefully they've made cars way safer since then. They have a lot more stringent rules, and that's kind of what provoked all of that. So, it is a different day in NASCAR for sure. Any final thoughts for us today, James? Before we have to let you go. Um. Well, my final thoughts with the Super Bowl right around the corner. I will have to say my Super Bowl predictions for this one would actually be the Philadelphia Eagles uh, would win, and the final score would be Philadelphia 56 to Kansas 20. 56 to 20, that would be quite the blowout. We will see if that happens, of course, nine days or ten days away from that because that's not happening until next Sunday. But uh, we are very excited about it. And, uh, James, as always, we appreciate you calling in today. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle, and uh, call y'all on uh, Friday as well. Sounds great. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our first break of hour number two. More sports call coming up after this. 
We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Dontry with you here, coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Again, reminder, this is the last hour of the program today. Borgard High School basketball, girls and boys basketball, coming up here uh, in about 30 or 40 minutes or so live from Borgard. Tim Sin will be on the call of that one. With that, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally. Or toll-free, one tiger 9 Next up, Matt from Auburn. Matt joins the program. And Matt, uh, as you've uh, said, we're going to have to change the bumper for you, but uh, we appreciate you calling in today. How are you, sir? Oh, man, you know what? I'm just honored to <clears throat> I'm honored to be introduced. I feel like Derek Jeter. Um, hey, look, I, I didn't even know that he listened to the show, but apparently I PO'd KD the other day. Um, KD Johnson looked great last night. That's right. Yeah, he uh, he, um, he scored thirteen he and get that kind of production off our bench. Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. Who knows? I'm thinking, Matt, that uh, if he gets back to around that eleven or twelve points a game that he averaged for Auburn last year, coupled with what uh, four of the five starters are now doing for Auburn, that would be very big. I'm telling you, if that in combination with you know Wendell has has played fairly well all year. Um, you know, Janai, we've all heard it a hundred times, is a walking double-double. Uh, but if, if Flanagan can stay hot, I know he's not going to go eight for ten and three for five every night, but if Flanagan can can continue to contribute offensively and, and we can get that kind of production off the bench, um, I, don't, I don't see any reason Auburn's not a sweet 16 team. Right, that 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 scoring, uh, if they maintain that, I, I know that they've had uh, weak halves of defense. Usually, it's been one or the other. The last three or four games, they put together one uh, traditionally good half, and then they've let it slip. I think last night's more acceptable because the game was twenty-five to thirty points as Georgia started to hoist and make some threes. But if you combine the normally solid defense with some of this offense that we've seen the last three halves or so. Uh, the, the ceiling rises on this team, and uh, we, we've seen the breakaway four that we've talked a lot about on the show between Wendell Green, Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, and Alan Flanagan, and then you add a fifth to Katie Johnson, which we know in the past he's been capable of. He's got two good games in a row now. That starts to feel more formidable. Now, you still need someone that may be in crunch times of, of close close games needs to separate themselves and become a go-to guy. Uh, but you certainly start to feel like you have enough options to where if one or two are not firing, there is enough there still to help you out. You know, I think Jalen Williams is that guy. <clears throat> um, you know, is, is, is he going to go out and, and score 30? Nope. But I think he gives you just enough, and it seems like it seems like he hits big shots. Um, 
So we'll see. Um, look, what are you hearing anything about <clears throat> a potential commitment tomorrow from Walker White? Uh, I have not heard that one. I know that Auburn. Uh, if you are you referring to basketball or football, there even. Uh, uh, football quarterback. Gotcha. I have not heard that. I was going to say on the basketball topic, there is a another big prospect that's going to commit uh, tomorrow, and Auburn's involved. But football, I've not, uh, I've not heard of anyone uh, on the cusp. This is the uh, the kid from Arkansas, correct? Yes. Yeah, I haven't heard much about him. Two four seven right now uh, has him warm on Auburn, but most of their experts have him projected to either Clemson or Ole Miss right now. See, I saw a tweet today, um, and I don't want to. I'm not going to get into a ton of specifics. It was uh, two four seven related, but there was a tweet today, and it was it was very cryptic um, that a quarterback was going to commit to Auburn tomorrow, and it uh, something to the effect of "I hope you're pleasantly surprised." All right. I'm just saying so, th- this kid's a four-star quarterback, class of 2024, out of uh, Little Rock Christian Academy up in Arkansas. That could be what they're referring to because he is the the three schools, or there's four schools that 247 has him uh, kind of warm on. And it's like I said, the, the main projections are either Clemson or Ole Miss, but then Auburn is in there on warm and Baylor is in there on warm. And it, apparently, you know, it, it, Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze have been in contact with him. Maybe that's all it'll take. Seems like Hughes getting it done. We'll see. Yeah, a lot of well, momentum look, for the Hugh Freeze staff. A lot of momentum. Just uh, make sure you take the under Saturday. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, uh, with Tennessee. Defensive war. Third third in defensive points per game allowed for Tennessee. First in opponent field goal percentage. Where's Auburn ranked? Auburn was 54th in scoring defense. I look, I saw that just because uh, uh, Wardam Steve asked us about where Florida was, who who obviously beat Tennessee last night. Right. Uh, so Auburn was about 54th in scoring defense. I have to check on the uh, the, the the shot percentage, but uh, definitely a, uh, a a quality matchup of defense. Even at 50th for Auburn, that's still better than 310 schools approximately. Right. Well, maybe we can find a way and get in the 70s and, and keep it close. and That'd be a huge win on the road. But thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Matt. That is uh, Matt from Valley joining us on this edition of Sports Call. I played the wrong bumper to begin with, and he said he's moved. So literally nothing about where he's from is correct <laughs> there, but we appreciate Matt uh, for calling into the, the show today, asking us a few questions right there. Always good to talk to him. We need to take our next break of the show today. More Sports Call coming up after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
all the comeback songs today. This one, the most enjoyed upon in the studio amongst the masses. And by that, I mean Brooks and Brandt. Jamming out a little bit. Ryan LaVoy. I like guitars. I like guitars. There you go. Ryan LaVoy, Brandt Daughtry, Brooks Childress with you here. Again, getting off the air in in under a half an hour. Borgard High School basketball coming up. Final regular season game for the Hornets. Excited to hear Tim Sin and the guys call that one. It's a little late in the week. Uh, this is my fault because I don't get to it in a timely manner, and then the week's almost over, and then is it really relevant anymore? I don't know. But I will say that since we named this next person Player of the Week, they won another basketball game, and so still not uh, not any sour notes here. It's time to name this week's Player of the Week. Auburn guard Aisha Koulibaly is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The junior leader made her mark, scoring 51 points and leading the Lady Tigers to back-to-back wins in conference play, including an overtime victory against Ole Miss. Koulibaly also grabbed a combined 10 rebounds along with 8 assists and 8 steals in the two games. Part of that effort led Auburn to their first SEC road victory in almost three years. Aisha Koulibaly is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Thank you, as always, to Mr. Brent Daughtry for recording that one. Now, hey, Aub- Auburn women's basketball has won three games in a row, and their next game up is a game against Arkansas inside of Neville Arena, and we are giving away two more tickets uh, to that game. So if you call in right now, 334-887-3401, you can get two women's basketball tickets to this Sunday's game against Arkansas. You can pick them up at our station tomorrow. If you win them, first caller at 334-887-3401. Two tickets to Sunday's Auburn versus Arkansas women's basketball game inside a Neville Arena. Winners of three in a row now with the Auburn Tigers. I need to check the, the bracketology. I don't think Auburn is moving in uh, the tournament picture just yet, but uh, I know Charlie Cream is the main guy that does it for ESPN. But they have won three in a row. They've gotten out of the cellar in the SEC. They've gotten healthy, most importantly, in Aisha Koulibaly. Uh, her injury earlier in, the, earlier in conference play was huge. Her health now is big, and she's been playing very well for the Tigers. Very much so. Uh, the, uh, the injury situation with Honesty Scott Grayson and Aisha Koulibaly was kind of the, the worst-case scenario for Auburn women's basketball. Those two not really on the court at the same time very much. And they, they're probably Auburn's best players, I, I would say. And to to not have at least one of those two throughout the most of SEC play so far uh, has really been killer. But you finally have those two back together and you rip off three in a row. And, and that's just a, a great job by those girls. I think they're they're on the way up. We've We've talked how much I think we all are fans of Coach Johnny Harris. She's been appeared on this show before, uh, and just to to finally have that full lineup back, and now she's going okay. Here's here's the team that I thought I was going to have for the entire year. Now let's see what we can do. And you're right. I don't know if Auburn's going to make the tournament this year, uh, but right now I believe in the SEC tournament standings. If it were to happen today. They would they would not play on day one. They would Correct. have they would have a first or they would have a bye on the first day, uh, and that's a spot Auburn hasn't been in in a long time in women's basketball. So a lot of improvement on the way for Auburn women's basketball. I'm excited for the rest of this year, and I'm excited for the future. And I'm also excited for Sunday because I'm going to be at that game. Uh, my family's coming into town, and we're going to take a trip up to Neville Arena and watch the Lady Tigers. I, would, I pulled up the uh, bracketology uh, to look at it. Auburn's not in it yet. They're sure. they're not in the last four or the next four out of the first four out 
Um, they are currently 79th in the net on the women's side of things. Yeah, um, got to get that better then. Moved up one from 80th last week uh, with their their win. They're 13 and eight overall. Uh, one and four on the road. One and one at uh, on neutral sites, and thir- 11 and three at home this year. But you look at their upcoming schedule, they've got a lot of chances to move up. They've got a lot of uh, tournament uh, quality teams uh, that you, you've got chances to move up in your in your rankings coming up. Arkansas is one of them. Arkansas is 36th in the net. If you can get a win at home over Arkansas, we uh, this, this Auburn team can really boost their rankings up, um, and especially after having almost a week off because you played on Monday against Florida, got that win. Florida's 86 in the in the net right now. And then you almost have a week off before you take on that that Arkansas team on Sunday. You got a week to prepare, get ready for it, and you've got your lineup. Is Brent? You were saying this it's pretty healthy, uh, and you can see what the factors that that's playing is. They've started to roll off a few wins. Um, Arkansas is a team that you know they're like I said the 36th. They're in the top half of the SEC, but they're a team that that is beatable. They are a team that you can if you get them in Auburn Arena or Neville Arena. You got a chance to beat. You got a chance to beat them, and Aisha Kulabali has been a big part of. Uh, could be a big part of getting that win on uh, on Sunday, and it's also she's been also a big part of uh, the the win streak so far. She had a big game um, last week in their win. Uh, the I think the the one game that got her the uh, player of the week was the twenty points, three rebounds, four assists against Kentucky that went over Kentucky last Thursday, and so she's been really on fire. Continues to, to build up uh, more and more. Um, brilliant stats for this team and another uh player that's hot on her heels coming into the or had a big game the other night against florida carissa richardson starting to get feel it a little bit more she is uh coming on too so a lot of great players on this uh team right now they if they can put some stuff together you can see them start to like brant said they're already on the right now sitting on the second day of the sec the sec tournament and you could uh you could see them start to creep into some of those March conversations because like I said, they're sitting at a thirteen and eight right now. Get a few more wins, you put yourself in a really good position. Tied for ninth in the SEC with Missouri now is Auburn, who is three and six in the league. And there are three teams at four and five in the SEC. So if Auburn can keep it going again, win healthy, this team uh, a little bit better than their three and six SEC mark and to be quite honest with you, there's a few teams with good records in the league, but there's only two ranked teams out of the Southeastern Conference this year, women's college basketball. Uh, now, granted, uh, South Carolina and LSU are number one and number three in the country, and they are combined 42-0 and this year. So they are wins. two of the very best teams in the country, but no one else is ranked there. So... Uh, there is a lot of teams that falls under the category of beatable, and Auburn women's basketball certainly uh, is starting to beat some more teams and, and have some success. We need to take our final break of the show today. Again, two-hour show. We'll wrap things up and get you set for Borgard High School basketball on the other end of this timeout.
May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back. Final segment of the show today. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry. Again, Borgard High School basketball coming up at the top of the hour. Excited for another Borgard High School basketball game. Last one of the regular season. We hope to get out there for area play, but we're still working on the schedule for that. Go Hornets! Just uh, three or four minutes left in the show. Before we get to the nightly TV guide, I just want to bring this up because uh, – I know Brant's not a big golfer, and that's so we're just we're just doing ninety seconds here. <laughs> but they're at Pebble Beach for the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am. Although Brant did have a golf analogy yesterday when talking about football. Oh, did he? Yeah, when I, I was listening to the show when I went to uh, run an errand yesterday, he had a golf analogy. What was it? You were saying uh, Hugh Freeze was hitting par on holes. Oh yeah, yeah. Hugh, oh Hugh yeah. Freeze is par. so par. Every, but everyone's we're used acting to like essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like I'm. We're we're so used to seeing double and triple bogeys over yeah. the past five or six years that seeing Hugh Freeze hit, hit for par, yeah. it looks more like a hole in one. I was one. sitting right here when you said that, and uh, now we were, were you? Right. I thought that was in. Oh, that was early in the show. Okay, no. yeah, hundred uh, percent. But uh, that was a good analogy. But I just yeah. wanted to throw which is out not there. which is not to take away from what Hugh Freeze is doing. Not sure. trying to yeah. Just saying he's getting Auburn back on track. Correct. They have not built a new beautiful station, although yeah. you could say they built a new facility They're and blah, sev- blah, blah, blah. 17th but, in the country, <laughs> right, certainly right, closer to where they back need on to be. Track. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to throw out the Pebble Beach thing because uh, Pebble Beach is one of the two courses that if I'm not really a big bucket list guy, mm-hmm. but if I had a golf bucket list, Pebble Beach and TPC Sawgrass are the two doable courses that I want to play. And I say dual because they're not private. Like everyone that likes golf wants to play Augusta, obviously. Yeah. But that's very private, very exclusive. It's not even that you could pay gobs of money to be there. You have to be significant. You have to be invited, too. Right. You have to be invited. So that will not be me. And I am focused on the really great public courses. And so TPC Sawgrass over in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, and then Pebble Beach. Um, are the two, the two public courses, and they're very famous. But two public courses that are kind of the golf bucking uh, bucket list. There, not a uh, not Tory Pines. I like Tory, but but that's where they were. That last would be week. down the list, and, and there's some others too. I mean, TPC Scotts that would be great. The stadium hole with which would defeat the purpose because then no one would be there, and then you would you want to get a great shot by yourself. But you want to talk about markup pricing. Look up Torrey Pines pricing. San Diego residents, like 65 bucks to play around there. Wow. Everywhere else, it's like 200 and something. Wow. If you are not a San Diego resident, you you have to like pay 200 and something dollars. I'm not a golf expert, but just looking at what we're watching on TV right now, I figure playing in wind like that would be kind of miserable. Yeah, wind's not great. Uh, as you can also see, very small is the golf ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, it moves around a lot in yeah. wind. That's why Lynx golf, uh, when you're really when you don't have a lot of trees, we're really open overseas in England, Scotland, etc. 
what what's one of the best things about them is the 20 30 mile per hour winds where you have to hit these really low burning shots i was gonna say what about uh st andrews would you play old course would that be yeah but again i know me and uh, i have still not left the united states of america for any reason in my life Mm. and so the betting favorite is that that's not going to happen anytime soon uh Maybe it would happen for a reason like that, but again, trying to keep it creep it real here first. Let's spend a couple hundred dollars in the United States before <laughs> we have to spend. I don't know, probably a couple thousand. But by the time you you uh, airfare and and hotel and golf over there, so let's let's keep it in the U.S. first. But I, I truly adore Pebble Beach, and uh, even though this is not as big of a tournament as as on average for. Uh, the golf season. I'm going to check in on this just because of, of of it being Pebble. Did you see they changed the eighth hole on Pebble Beach? No, what did they do? Oh, I, that's the big par five. With it, the, that's a par four. Oh no, that's was, seven's the par five. Yeah, um, they changed the eighth hole. Um, I saw hey, it you last made week. me panic because I love that par five going like elevated tee shot, then going up the cliff basically to get back to the elevated fairway. Uh, it, they safeguarded it. And it's the one. It is. It is on the cliff. It's because. So I, I don't know how how well what, what they actually did, but it's because of. And I'm showing Ryan this shot last year with Jordan Spieth, like hit it from the cliff side. Oh yeah, you know it is the cliff. It's just the par four cliff where it's a yeah. dog leg, and you have to. Okay. They changed. They safeguarded it a little bit because they're like, hey, Jordan. You know, we don't need to have our golfers hitting the ball inches from death. Right. So, it's a little different than a creek being there. Yeah, that's yeah. not a not a creek down below, uh, by the way. So, all right, I got you. Yeah, uh, that That's a scenic second shot, man. I mean, there's so many great scenic shots on that course. We are out of time for the show today. A real quick nightly TV guide coming up. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what we got? Uh, one movie picked for you this evening and appropriately 5.30 on AMC. Groundhog Day. Let's I, did, today. I, I get to, it. I meant to mention that today. Poxitani Phil. Yep. Solid Saw Shadow. Shadow again. Mixed feelings about I, it, apparently. Fake, just fake. He's Six a, more weeks we'll, of winter. We're going to be all right. Pucks right. Tony Phil is a fraud. <laughs> uh, college basketball action for United at 6 o'clock on ESPN Dose. It is Michigan taking on Northwestern. 6 o'clock on FS1. Wisconsin takes on Ohio State. 6 o'clock on ESPNU. High Point visits UNC Asheville. Some good uh, basketball action up there in the mountains. 8 o'clock ESPN2, Houston at Wichita State. FS1, Washington visits UCLA. ESPNU, UTEP takes on Middle Tennessee State. And then late night tonight, ESPN2, Oregon takes on Arizona. You got some NBA action on TNT tonight, doubleheader. You also got some women's basketball action on tonight. So check it all out. You're at the TV Guide uh, if you want a physical copy of it. Not physical, but if you want a, uh, a tertiary copy of it. It's on the uh, Twitter page right now at Sports Call AU. And that's Lucky United TV. I brought to you by everyone's at White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks, thank you very much for being here, sir. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Brent, I uh, appreciate being here as well. And uh, you'll be on the show tomorrow with Cam Barry. I will. Thank you very much for having me. Enjoy uh, Knoxville, guys. We will. And uh, shout out to all those callers who tuned in and called in today. We appreciate you as well. For Brant Daughtry and Brooks, Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan Lavoy. Again, me and Brooks are off tomorrow. So we'll talk to you on Monday.